Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast. <laughs> oh, the horror. the horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions. We love them. To, uh, do our, we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, to our email address at OTH at SeriouslyDecent.com. And yes. you can check our website out at OTheHorrorPodcast.com. Yes. Where we have our entire catalog. No paywall. No. Nope. None of that BS. No. Yep. You can. There's no money in this podcast. Well, there's other money. Other than what we spend. There's money in this <laughs> podcast. But but uh, it's, it's nothing to uh, to cry cry over. Um yeah, you can connect to your favorite uh, podcast platform. You can. You can connect to our social media presence, uh, which is very limited on X. <laughs> uh, used to be active on Instagram, of least notifying of new episodes, but I've uh, kind of, that's another piece that I, I have to get back up and running. Yes. Uh, since the sabbatical, we'll call it. And um, yeah, Facebook uh, is kind of the same old spiel. Yeah, you know, the book of faces. Yeah, we'll post some uh, stuff on there. I, I put stuff on there. Pretty frequently. Yep. But, yep, we're getting back to the Monday drop. We are. Yeah. Trying to, guys. We're trying. We're trying. We're just trying really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, tired today. And, so uh, tired. I was, I was tired out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I figured, like, oh, mm-hmm. shower will maybe help. No. For I, me? I saw you laying in bed, and then I had to go do my things. And uh, I came back, and I had a little bit of zip in my step, but I think also it's just like the cooler weather. It just chips away at you, you know. But I really think I'm doing the big decompression now of everything with Mom the last few months. I think this is... Pulling an Elsa and just letting it go? Yeah, I think... No, I really think it's starting to pour out because I just... I'm tired. Like, the last four days, I've been tired all day. Just yawning. And I've just... been tired for eight years. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now they'll tell you it's perimenopause. Yeah. It's, which it's the man in your life. No. That's what it is. Yeah. No, it's not. I'm not half the man I used to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm three quarters of the woman I used to be. Age is age is chipping away at this man. No, yeah. I uh, no, I, I really, the last four days. I haven't been that tired since I worked mm-hmm. like double shifts at a place or whatever. Yeah. You know, I just, and, yeah. and I realized it's just pouring off of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I can't wait to kind of see the other side of it. So I'm just trying to spiritually stay strong and not left, let life beat me down. Yeah. Cause it's weird when you're tired. Yeah. I Everything. see, yeah. I see temptation just poking at you, poking at you, poking at you. You know, and it just, uh, and it's it's amazing, you know, because some things that wouldn't set me off or hasn't set me off in a long time, I get snippy about or I yeah. get moody about. Yeah. And I think that's a real big plus from working from home is like work doesn't get to see that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And- I think for me, um, especially when I'm in my office because I'm surrounded by all my plants. Yeah, you got a pretty healthy environment. There. I really do. Yeah. Like, I don't get as affected by the winter as I used to. Like, I open that door in the morning 
And when I tell you, the air smells so good yeah. in there. It's just, it's it's a noticeable night and day difference. Yeah. The only thing that frustrates me are the little gnats. Yeah, which we'll just build some traps for those. I, and... I have, I have a, a solution for that in my Amazon list, and it's like six bucks. Well, can't we just do the jars with the apple cider and vinegar and the No, the because and... they're not fruit flies. I thought that just worked with flies in general. No. No? No, it, that's specifically for fruit flies. I am learning so much about flies <laughs> in the last, like, three weeks. That's all on you. I know. So <laughs> I gotta, I've got a confession to make. Um, I'm getting into the sport of fly fishing. Mm-hmm. This is something that I've been wanting to do for years. I've got a confession. I'm not getting into <laughs> no, the sport no, of fly fishing. No. I might get into the sport of... Watching um, me fly fish and you'll have, you know, a picnic basket. exploration. Yeah. I, I might get into that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. See what I can see. Yeah. Go and bring tons of fun and yeah. make a day of it. But I just... Uh, yeah, so this was something where it originally, so talking to Freddie last night, mm-hmm. hey, Fred, if you're listening, mm-hmm. thanks for the call the previous night, so now you can kind of figure out how all this works in the background. Um, but yeah, the, what a super help. You know, yeah. my cousin has just been amazing. Well, I mean, it helps when there's someone that you're connected to who's already well, and in he's, it. Well, he's a fish and nut. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's just great in that regard. But where this started, I actually pulled it. I pulled it back last night because I was I was trying to think of where like this whole this point started. We used to drive to Burlington, Vermont during the fall and we would go downtown, have lunch. It was just a nice drive. We'd stop at the cheese house, get some cheese, go and like the kitchen store. Yeah, there was that kitchen store that mm-hmm. had all that cool kitchen equipment and just, you know, little stuff and um I hope that's still there because I'd yeah. like to. I'd like to go there and check that out. Same. Um, but yeah, it was like a nice forty-five, you know, hope forty fifty-minute drive. We yeah, drive from, out there from our our previous you know, residence and, where you could literally see Vermont from the backyard. Well, You're yeah, like, oh, there literally. it is, yeah. it's right there. That's, I used to joke <laughs> about that all the time. They're like, "How far is Vermont?" I'm like, it's right, it's right there. there. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, yeah, that drive out there. Uh, and that was always nice. And another reason I'd like to do it, and I don't know how that is since the flooding they had years yeah. back, the covered bridges, you yeah. know, because that was something I used to do with my mom mm-hmm. all the time. And, um, check and then we those found out. that Christmas store. So there was a Christmas store right by the Cheese House. Yep. If you're heading to Burlington, it's yep. a little past it. And there's the Orvis outlet out there. Yep. And, of course, we would go there just to stop, check it out. And they mm-hmm. had, like, the dog stuff and all mm-hmm. that. And they had that top floor that was all that ornamental uh, heirloom shotguns up there that I was telling Freddie about. I'm like, yeah, if you go to Orvis in Vermont, you've got to check that out because, like, the cheapest shotgun there is, like, $13,000. Mm-hmm. And they go up to, like, forty, sixty thousand, $60,000. And that was eight years ago. So I don't yeah. know what that Where means now. Where they are now. now. Yeah. But they're beautiful. The bluing on the rifles and the etching and all that stuff. I mean, just really amazing. But I'd see all that fly fishing stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's where it kind of started for me. That's when the pill kind of dropped. It was like, this would be really cool to get into. And then where it really manifested was 
working at Lowe's part-time and I bumped into that guy that does the fish guide service up there. And he's like, yeah, anytime you want to check it out, give me a call, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, okay. And, you know, had to get some other ducks in a row. And then last year going to Hancock, New York for the golf vacation with the guys. And finding out it's a big fishing it's place. It's this massive fishing place n- near the Delaware River on the like Pennsylvania side or pretty close, like, you know, in that area. And I remember taking a break from the guys playing golf because they drink all week and I don't. Yeah. So there's like four days, five days into it where I'm just like, I need a break. Yeah. I can't be around this. No mas. All the time, you know. Yeah. And it's nothing against them. I love them dearly. They're a great time. Yeah, I wouldn't no. go if that was the case, yeah. you know. But but after a while, it's just like, I just can't do it, you know. Yep. And I remember getting like a sub and I pulled off on this turnoff watching the Delaware River. And I watched this guy in waders just fly fishing by himself. Mm-hmm. He had everything on him and just how peaceful it was. And I remember I was sitting on the hood of the van mm-hmm. and I was just eating a sandwich, had a little uh, like lemonade and I was just watching this guy go, and I was like, man, I want it. I want to do that. Speaking and of subs, I had the best sub I've cow. ever had yesterday. Props to Flatiron, huh? Lovingly referred to here as gridiron. Well, that's me because <laughs> I just didn't know it was flatiron for the longest time. So I called it what I wanted to, and it was gridiron. Yes. And it still yes. stays. But yes. if people are in our area, it's flatiron. Yes. Yeah. If you really are in the area and you would like to check it out, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just a simple Italian mix. Yeah. With pickles. Oh, with pickles and banana peppers. Yeah. And, you know, you just don't realize how nice that compliments that is a sandwich oh yeah. oh it was it was perfect so much so that when i was eating my lunch today i was like you know what this needs <laughs> this needs pickles yeah pickles some sauerkraut i think uh i think pickles and banana peppers need to go together in they a do. sandwich because they do. there's that little kind of contrasting taste yeah you know where you get like the sweet or kind of semi sweet dill taste but then you get the little kick of the banana peppers and it just puts you want to elevate a sandwich up go for it i like the banana pepper for the tangy crunch Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the pickle i mean it's pickles still you don't really have to go no in the depths of pickles no and if you don't like pickles poetic on pickles yeah if you don't like pickles that's a tough that's a tough road to go down yeah I'm really sorry you don't like pickles. Oh, because I tell you what, you get me around. You're a, missing out. You get me around a pickle tray on the holidays. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. <laughs> seriously, like if people get all excited about charcuterie, which mm-hmm. is really just grown-up lunchables. Yeah. yeah, I would much rather have oh, easily a pickle plate, a, a bevy of pickled, yeah, veggies, yeah, even fruits yeah. like the pickled little green tomatoes. <sighs> Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You get, uh, you know, from like Cornicons to Gherkins to Sweeten, uh, the Sweet and Sour. Uh, oh, a night. See, for me, bread and butter. Bread and butter is like the I would rather staple. Have, I would rather have a bread and butter mm-hmm. than a Gherkin. Yeah. Any day. Oh, I love me a good Gherkin. That's, yeah, uh, see, that's all you. For for yeah. me, the gherkins, and they're the too pickled, soft and they're too sweet. And then the pickled Brussels sprouts. Mm. Dilly pickled beans. Beets. The, oh, yes, the, the dilly beans. The spicy dilly beans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, yo. Pickled cauliflower. Yeah. 
I'm That's not the a only big, time I I'm like I'm not a big fan of cauliflower. Cauliflower I like with cheese or a pickle. Cauliflower I like roasted because then it uh, actually tastes like something. I remember years back I was out of town for work staying at a hotel and mm-hmm. they had a, a restaurant down there. And I remember the first time I had roasted Brussels sprouts over there and it had like a citrus mm-hmm. sauce on mm-hmm. it. And I eat, I immediately, so I ordered that because I, I got like a hamburger or something like that. And um, the guy at the bar was awesome. I used to go there routine for work. So yeah. he got to a point where he knew my name and yeah. all that. And I, I was like, man, I was like, you know, I'd like a hamburger, but I'm like, I'm, I'd like to get something else, but I, I don't want something heavy. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I got just a thing for you. It's this new thing we've been rolling out. And they yep. they put that out. And I ordered another one. Yep. I was just, I, I couldn't believe it. I think I called you when I got back yeah. to the room. I was like, you won't believe what the hell I just had. It's Brussels sprouts, but good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember when I started, when I took over Thanksgiving and I was so excited. I was yeah. like, I'm going to cook all the things I want to have. So I stuffed my pumpkin. I did my kale dressing, yeah. which Jeez. who knew what a hit that was going to be? I become. know. I thought, I thought, like, I thought it'd be good, but I didn't think it'd be received. And like now, you're not allowed in the door if you don't have that shit on. Exactly. you. Exactly. I took it to my aunt's. I took that and yeah. the roasted which Brussels talk about sprouts. Like a standard steak and potatoes family. There, and you know. it was my dressing. And the Brussels sprouts, maybe because they were the only things that were hot, but they went. <laughs> yeah. No, that stuff never lasts. Like, there's no... No. There's no extras. No. And that was that was one thing I was really happy with, is my mom got to have your Thanksgiving meal. She did. For her last Thanksgiving, even yep. though she wasn't at the house of the family and all that. And yep. Yeah, it she was... She still got to have yeah, Thanksgiving it was, dinner. Oh, that was so nice to She got to have and, my Thanksgiving look dinner. Look back and... <laughs> retrospect you know because yeah. she she always liked that stuff but yep. aside from that now oh yeah here we are the episode Epis- we're actually talking about something episode 154 not only are we talking about something but it has to be horrific given the theme we've chosen pretty much yes <laughs> i mean it is oh the yeah. horror yep so episode 154 son of sam yes yes mr david berkowitz yes and this uh this actually brings memories for me because I remember being a little kid, and I remember being about five, because actually mm-hmm. four or five around there, because it was the late 70s when they caught him. Yep. And I remember, like, that whole summer going on, like, that whole year, and it was on the news a lot for us. All I don't I... know how it was out here for you, but, like, where we were being kind of by, like, the the, the Tri-County, like, Albany area, just a little north from there, we would get a bleeding of New York news mm-hmm. on the frequent if it was something really kind of important or something like that. And I remember this over and over again. I remember, the memory I have from this is asking my dad, I was like, why would somebody do this? And my I, dad was just like, you know what? Nobody knows. No one knows. He goes, and here's this. And he'd like prep me up for it. He goes, and I'm going to tell you what, Frank. He's like, when they catch them, they're still not going to know. Right. You know, he's yeah. like, I, there's a, they're never yep. going to know why ultimately he did I remember all this stuff. hearing about the shooting and you know they would have a mention of it on mm. the nightly news not our local news the nightly news that followed our local news Yeah I remember when they caught him 
And the, really, the only thing I remember from that time was him saying he did it because the dog told him to. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember looking at my parents like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's, that's right. And my mother's like, well, no, obviously the dog did not, did not talk to him. Yeah. She's like, and my dad's like, well, we don't know. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. is, He you, sure thought he did. You don't because, I mean, obviously there's yeah. some deranged shit going on. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, uh, but I think the big thing that separated this, like, I think two of them that really rocked people over was, number one, like, David Berkowitz and Ted Bundy both had this, like, average guy look. And that really no, surprised Ted people. No, Bundy. No, I mean, he had the attitude and everything. But... No, Bundy wasn't that unattractive. Like, if you saw a picture of him on the mm -hmm. news, like if you put Berkowitz and Bundy side by side, Berkowitz, you're like, well, he just looks like the average yeah, guy no. on the street. I have a picture of him right here. Yeah. Like, he's an average guy. But you look at all the other ones, and there's something weird about it. Yes. Them. Usually you and can see something in, yeah. in the eyes. Yeah. And with them, there's something weird about yeah. it. Yeah. And that's where, you know, and you got to understand, like, there was, this was the same time period mm -hmm. that these two guys were going around. Mm -hmm. So you had Bundy on, like, not even the West Coast. He was all over the country. Yeah, he was. You know. And that's what was frightening, because yeah. generally you thought, like, okay, Son of Sam he was he he was pretty much New York City. Yeah, yeah. So you know, us being out in the middle of Podunk nowhere, we're like, well, you know, that's far removed from us. And yeah, then you it's get the, the story. Problem. Yeah, then you get a story of, of Bundy, and you're like, oh, oh, that's right. They can travel. <laughs> like, there's cars. There's there's yeah. trains, there's planes. <laughs> but that's what I'm getting at is like, you know, so this lunacy is happening between Bundy and Berkowitz. Mm -hmm. And you're expecting to find the devil. Like when they catch yeah. him, you're expecting to find the devil. You're expecting to find like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's just uh, like who's the one out in like the, the West there that we did of um, the... For some reason, a diamond killer's in my head, and that's not right. There's the Green um, River Killer. No. There's a um, GSK, the, Golden State. There's the dude that was literally like possessed, and uh, he was killing. He just went on that rampage and was fucking killing everybody out in California. Um, this is what happens when you take a break from the podcast and you don't know the Night Stalker. Yeah. So so you have like the night stalker. Ramirez. Ramirez. Yes. So when they caught him, yeah. that made sense. Yeah. This is what I'm getting at. This is the whole core crux of it because I know you go off in a different direction in your head. So the the you know, seeing Ramirez, you're like, okay, satisfied. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that something like that would happen, but I look at him and I'm like, that makes yeah. sense. And you hear all the shit and you hear all the stuff. Bundy and Berkowitz they caught them and they're like, wait a second, that looks like Dave that works at the store, the you know, worst and Berkowitz was very normalized yes, yeah. that way. He was a postal worker, like he was an average Joe that just didn't, no one would suspect him. He was under the radar the whole time. The worst for me was uh, the Green River Killer, because I mean, 
This was a guy who literally, like, he was yeah, just killing massive amounts of, <laughs> yeah. of people. And you look at him, and there's nothing about him that screams yeah. extraordinary. No, and that's what people have to understand about yeah. that stuff. You know, this is uh, something inside that yeah. awakens up or or just clicks on mm-hmm. or switches on. And, you know, it, it realized, you know, what I've learned in this podcast is evil exists. Yes. And you'll find it in the most unusual places. Yes. That you never suspected yes. it would be. And yes. that's what makes what evil. What you find is it's everywhere. It's what you... Yeah. Well, it makes it just incredible in its own regard. But Berkowitz definitely has a strange story even around it. So we'll go through yeah. the, the stuff that really happened. And then after, we'll unpack a little bit of it. And, you yeah. know, it's uh, what's your source for this? Sources. Yeah, I have plural. Crime Museum. Mm-hmm. I almost went to Murderpedia. Sure. But I was like, yeah. Let's see. And Crime Museum, I was like, I don't think I've used them. (laughs) And Oxygen.com. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll just move on. Yeah. So uh, I used a book, uh, Profiles in Crime, Serial Killers of the 70s, -hmm. Stories Behind a Notorious Decade of Death by Jane Fritch. Yep. And a pretty good book. There's, yeah. Um, yeah, I was reading about another murderer, oddly, uh, earlier today. Yeah, well, you know, they got a, a list of them here. They sure do. Basically, each chapter is a different person, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. 14 different people. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty pretty easy read. The 14 whole, different episodes. Whole thing's uh, <laughs> like 260, 270 pages. Yeah. But each uh, chapter of the person's about 20 pages long, mm-hmm. so... Enough to know the timeline, um, the scenes of mm-hmm. each incident, and uh, how they were caught in a bit of post part of that. So, Yep. All right. Let's get into this. Sure. David Berkowitz, also known as the Son of Sam and the 44 caliber killer, is an American serial, serial killer who terrorized New York City area from July 76 to, Ju- to July 77. Berkowitz killed six people and wounded seven using a 44 caliber bulldog revolver gun. So let's get into his early life. Berkowitz was born Richard David Falco on June 1st, 1953 in Brooklyn, New York. His unmarried parents separated shortly before he was born and he was put up for adoption. His adoptive parents switched his first and middle names and gave him their surname, From a young age, Berkowitz began to show early signs of his future violent behavior patterns. While he was of above-average intelligence, he lost interest in school and instead focused on more rebellious habits. Berkowitz got involved in petty larceny and pyromania. However, his misbehavior never led to legal troubles or impacted his school records. When he was 14, Berkowitz's adoptive mother died of breast cancer and his relationship with his adoptive father and new stepmother grew very strained. Yeah. When he was 18 and 71, Berkowitz entered the U.S. Army and served both in the U.S. as well as South Korea. He was honorably discharged three years later. Berkowitz then tracked down his birth mother, Betty Falco. His mother told him about his illegitimate birth and the recent death of his birth father, which greatly upset Berkowitz. He eventually lost contact with his birth mother again and began working a number of blue-collar jobs. According to his own accounts, 
Berkowitz's killing career began on December 24, 1975, when he stabbed two women using a hunting knife. One of the women was Michelle Foreman, and the other was was and never has been identified. And this is to note, this is before the actual, this like, is before news, the killing. The yeah. news published the uh, spree, shootings. If you will. The yes. shooting spree. Yes. Well, it's because they were stabbed, they weren't shot. In the early morning hours of July 29, 1976, 18-year-old Donna Loria and 19-year-old Jody Valenti were sitting in Valenti's car when Berkowitz walked up to the car and shot at them. He fired three shots and walked away. Loria was killed instantly and Valenti survived. When Valenti was questioned by police, she stated she did not recognize him and gave a description which fit with a statement by Loria's father, who said that he saw the same man sitting in a yellow car. Testimony by other individuals in the neighborhood stated that the yellow car had been seen driving around the neighborhood that night, and police determined that the gun used was a 44 caliber bulldog. Mm-hmm. On October 23, 1976, Berkowitz strikes again, this time in Flushing, Queens, Carl DeNaro and Rosemary Keenan were sitting in their car, parked, when the window shattered. Keenan immediately started the car and drove off. It was not until they got help that they realized they had been shot at. Even though DeNaro had a bullet wound in his head, both DeNaro and Keenan survived the attack and neither saw the shooter. Police determined that the bullets were 44 caliber, but they could not determine what type of gun those bullets had come from. Investigators did not initially draw a connection between this shooting and the previous one because they occurred in two separate New York boroughs. Shortly after midnight on November 27, 1976, 16-year-old Donna DeMacy and 18-year-old Joanne Lamino were sitting on Lamino's porch in Bella Rose, Queens. As they talked, a man approached them, dressed in military fatigues. He began to ask them for directions to, in a high-pitched voice before taking out a revolver and shooting at them. They both fell, injured, and the shooter ran away. Both girls survived their wounds, but Lamino was paralyzed. And that was four months in between these, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you think about it, it's a long time. Yeah. Police were able to determine that the bullets were from an unknown forty-four caliber gun, and they were also able to make composite sketches based on testimony from the girls and witnesses from the neighborhood. On January 30th, 1977, Christine Freund and John Deal were sitting in Deal's car in Queens when the car was shot at. Deal suffered minor injuries and Freund died of injuries at the hospital. Neither victim ever saw the shooter. After this shooting, police publicly connected this case with the previous shootings. They observed that all shootings involved a 44 caliber gun, and the shooters seemed to target young women with long, dark hair. When the composite sketches from the various attacks were released, NYPD officials noted that they were likely searching for multiple shooters. And at this point, there's two months that passed. So, yeah, the first one, mm-hmm. four months later, the next one, and then two months later, is this one. And yeah, this is where like timeline wise is starting to ratch up. And then at this point, this is when the press is starting to put t- things together. Mm-hmm. The police are starting yep. to put together that yep. they have the same, most likely the same person. Right. On March 8th, 1977, Columbia University student Virginia Voskarishian was shot walking home from class. She lived just one block away from fellow victim, 
Christine Freund, and she was shot several times and eventually died of a gunshot wound to the head. In the minutes following the shooting, a neighbor who heard the shooting went outside and saw what he described as a short, husky teenage boy sprinting from the crime scene. Other neighbors reported seeing the teenager as well as a man matching Berkowitz's description in the area of the shooting. The earliest media coverage implied that the teenager was a perpetrator. Eventually, police officials determined that the teenager was a witness and not a suspect. On April 17, 1977, Alexander Esau and Valentina Suriani were in the Bronx, several blocks away from the scene of the Valenti Loria shooting. The pair were each shot twice while sitting in a car, and both died before they could talk to police. Investigators determined that they were killed by the same suspect in the other shootings with the same 44 caliber firearm. At the crime scene, police discovered a handwritten letter addressed to the captain of the NYPD. In this letter, Berkowitz referred to himself as the son of Sam and expressed his desire to continue his shooting sprees. The letter read, I say goodbye and good night. Police, let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. I'll be back. To be interpreted as bang, 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 ugh, yours in murder, Mr. Monster. Manhunt. With the information from... They didn't, they didn't see they the didn't bow. They didn't see that, but that was... They didn't see the bow. Sorry. <laughs> I ended my scene. Yeah. With the information from the first letter and the connections between the previous shootings, investigators began to create a psychological profile for the suspect. The suspect was described as neurotic potentially suffering from paranoid schizophrenia, and believed that he was possessed by demons. Police also tracked down every legal owner of a 44 caliber bulldog revolver in New York City and questioned them, in addition to forensically testing the guns. They were unable to determine which was the murder weapon, and police also set up traps of undercover police officers posing as couples in parked cars in the hopes that the suspect would reveal himself. Dino, Dino roasting this. (laughs) Just so you all know, Dino just roasted one in here. and um, Silent but deadly. It's ripe. And he's just sleeping like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Yep. Not a care in the world. (sighs) Wow. That's a them problem. It doesn't taste like ketchup. No. uh... On May 30th, 1977, Jimmy Breslin, a columnist for the Daily News, received the second Son of Sam letter. It was postmarked for that same day from Englewood, New Jersey. The envelope had the words, blood and family, darkness and death, absolute depravity, 44 caliber, written on the reverse side. In the letter, the son of Sam stated that he was a reader of Breslin's column and referenced several of the past victims. He also continued to mock the New York City Police Department over its inability to solve the case. In the letter, he also asks, will... What will you have for July 29th? Investigators believed that this was a warning, as July 29th would be the anniversary of the first shooting. One notable observation was that this letter seemed to be written in a more sophisticated manner than the first one. This led investigators to believe that the letter could have been written by a copycat. The letter was published about a week later and sent much of New York City into a panic, with many women opting to change their hairstyle due to Berkowitz's pattern of attacking women with long, dark hair. So on June 26, 1977, the son of Sam made another appearance in Bayside, Queens. Sale Lupo and Judy Placido were sitting in their car in the early morning hours when they were shot with three gunshots. 
They both suffered minor injuries and survived, though neither saw their attacker. However, witnesses reported seeing a tall, stocky man with dark hair fleeing the crime scene, as well as a blonde man with a mustache driving in the area. Police believed that the dark man was their suspect and the blonde man was a witness. On July 31st, 1977, just two days after the anniversary of the first shooting, Berkowitz shoots again, this time in Brooklyn. Stacy Moskowitz and Robert Violante were in Violante's car, parked near a park, when a man walked up to the passenger side and began shooting. Moskowitz died at the hospital, and Violante suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Unlike most of the other female victims, Moskowitz did not have long or dark hair. There were several witnesses to this shooting who were able to provide descriptions of the shooter to the police. One of the witnesses stated that the man looked like he was wearing a wig, which could account for the varying descriptions of suspects with blonde and dark hair. Several witnesses saw a man matching Berkowitz's description, wearing a wig, driving a yellow car without any headlights, and speeding away from the crime scene. Police decided to investigate the owners of any yellow cars matching the description. Berkowitz's car was one of those cars, but in Investigators initially pegged him as a witness rather than a suspect. On August 10th, 1977, police searched Berkowitz's car. Inside, they found a rifle, a duffel bag filled with ammunition, maps of the crime scenes, and an unsent Son of Sam letter addressed to Sergeant Dowd of the Omega Task Force. Police decided to wait for Berkowitz to leave his apartment, hopefully with enough time to obtain a warrant as they had searched his car without one. The warrant never arrived, but police surrounded Berkowitz when he left his apartment, holding a 44 caliber bulldog in a paper bag. When Berkowitz was arrested, he allegedly told police, well, you got me. How come it took you such a long time? <laughs> when police searched Berkowitz's apartment, they found satanic graffiti drawn on the walls. So before you get to that, yes. what's interesting on how he got caught was that it actually, there was a mistake he parked too close to a fire hydrant, they say, on July 31st. And that was the night he shot Stacy Moskowitz and Robert Volante um, in Brooklyn. Uh, Berkowitz's car had gotten a parking ticket there an hour or so before the shooting. So detectives were tracking tracking that down. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that was the whole timing thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, the police found the 44 revolver in the paper bag Berkowitz had been holding when he got into the car, but they also found, uh, they said, a loaded machine gun. I don't know if that's true. Um, but at 1.45 a.m., that's when the mayor called the the conference and said, hey, we got him. But, yeah. but I watched a lot of interviews in the past where they were talking about that, and they and he said, you know, and he mentioned the parking ticket, and he was like, yeah, he goes— you know, because they asked him bluntly, they were like, if you didn't get that parking ticket, he's like, do you think they would have ever found you? And he was like, no way. Mm -hmm. You know, and then they were like, well, what do you think would eventually got caught? He goes, well, when I got caught, I was actually relieved. Yeah. He goes, because I was burned out. Yep. He's like, because I knew they were looking for me. Yeah. I knew that's all it would take is one thing. And that's what happens with a lot of these people that, you know, there's this thrill that they're getting all this attention. There's yep. this thrill they're getting all but also there's this cat and mouse game that they're playing. And yeah. the problem is, is it's a numbers thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, especially if like the police force starts getting the FBI involved in all that stuff, you got a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But um, there was something here that I read that I did not know of. And basically like 
New York pulled out, it was something like 130 cops from basically either like retirement or off the roll and put them back on the roll to get on the street to find this guy. Mm -hmm. So that was 130 policemen or like 130, 150. I can't remember the exact number. 136. Here it is. On August 4th, the police commissioner announced that 136 laid off police officers would be rehired to work on the case. So that was 136 feet yep. beating the ground, basically just working that case. Yeah. Take that around to now where police are so scrapped for help yeah. and they have nothing. And it's like, this is how they had to deal with crime then. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it. We're heading there. Yes. We're heading to this point where they're going to have to start making those decisions when people just start doing shit because they know they can. Yeah. You know, they're the already reason... doing that with the military. They're reinstating those that have retired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they don't have the recruitment yeah. numbers up. You know, that's yep. a whole separate problem. But but with this, the reason they couldn't find, you know, because everybody says, well, now they would have just found the gun and all that. No. The thing is, is he bought that gun illegally mm -hmm. yeah. out in like Texas or something yeah. like that. So, you know, Here's the thing. and he Most... didn't buy it illegally from a store like he bought it off a person. Right. Most you know, people that commit <laughs> crimes with firearms do so with illegal firearms. Yeah, this is what drives me nuts with, you know, people that are against guns. And it's like, look, I get why you're against guns. Yes. I'm not a gun have owner. Have kids taken their parents' gun and horrible things have happened once yeah. they get it in their no, hands? No, there's a responsibility yes. issue exactly. that has to happen. And I think yes. just recently there was a shooting. I can't remember where. Because I, I don't have it in front of me, but but I literally read this like a week ago. A mother is getting put into prison because she had irresponsible, like, responsibility mm -hmm. around the house with a firearm. Yeah. And that's how the kid got the firearm was from yeah. the adult in the house or whatever. And so she's – and that's where – I hate to say it. Like, I know pressure is on parents yes. to be good parents. And I know this is a really hard time above all times ever in the history of recent recollection of history to be a parent. But the fact is, it's like, you know, again, I am a strong advocate for firearms. We had. I really. I'm, we had guns in the house. I'm very pro-Second Amendment. No, but it's different now, Jen. It really is. Like, I know it high is. High school, you could go in when we were juniors, seniors in high school, and there'd be guns on the back of the right. trucks and all that other stuff. It's changed now. I know it's it has, totally but when we had guns in the house, we had parents that told us what those guns meant, how important it was to treat them with respect. Like there was, you knew it wasn't a oh, toy. Oh, I'm going to go one step further. If I touched my dad's gun yeah. and he knew it, he'd beat the living tar out of me. Yes. And you know what? Rightfully fucking so. Exactly. You know, but also what my parents did, mm -hmm. which other parents would collapse and have a heart attack that are against guns. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry. This is the way it works. We went out into the sand pit yeah. down the road from the house where everybody would fire guns and it was mm -hmm. safe yeah. because it was literally a 50 foot yep. sand wall. Yep. Nothing's getting past it. And my dad and my brother sat there and showed me how to handle a firearm how to yep. shoot a firearm, Same. how to walk with one, yep. how to handle one. You know, you never point them at anybody. Yep. Always expect it's yep. loaded. Yes. Even when you know it's not loaded, just handle a yep. firearm like it's loaded. And I'm sorry, that's what 
parents did out here yes. all the freaking time mm-hmm. with their kids. That's how kids were raised with guns. Yeah. And they don't do that anymore. No. They don't do it at all. It's get these guns away from these kids. And it's like, they're kids. They're curious. Yeah. They're going to want to handle these guns because they're told they're not to. Right. That's the life of a kid. You tell them, don't do that. Oh, well, I got to well, figure I gotta out how to do check that. this out. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just the ignorance in that is just mind numbing to me because the problem I have, and I this is a real sore topic, and you know it is with me, living in New York in these stupid gun laws they have yes. now, and they're only getting worse. Yes. And the fact is, is this the thick heads that endorse these rules and make these rules don't understand that criminals don't go by these rules. No. I hate to say it's slow, but it has to sink in at some point. Yes. None of these criminals get guns at Bass Pro Shop. Mm -mm. They don't go to the sporting goods store and buy a pistol. No. Because the first question you're going to get when you go to buy a pistol at a gun shop is, do you have your permit? Yeah. I laughed at -hmm. COVID when everything was going nuts and I went there and I bought like a small survival 22. Right. And the only reason I bought that is because I knew the stock was going to run out, and I didn't know if I'd be able to buy one again. And I just always wanted one. Well, and it's, also, too, we we were concerned that there would be food shortages, and you want to be able to hunt. Well, no, that wasn't with the twenty two. I mean, I have other stuff that takes yeah. care of that. But the fact is, is that gun I bought just because it folded in the stock. It was a nice little kind of thing to have. Again, just I don't need a reason to buy guns. I'm able to buy them, yeah. you know, and I'm responsible with them. I have them. I have them safely tucked away, mm-hmm. you know, but I remember sitting there getting, again, for a twenty-two rifle, yep. getting my background check yep. done, handing them my ID, yes. getting them my, yep. my background check. And I remember while I was waiting for that to get processed, it's about, it can take up to 20 minutes. Yeah. So I'm sitting there shooting the shit with the guy behind the uh, the counter, and mm-hmm. he's on the rifle end, and there's other buddies over, you know, at the pistol, at, end. At the pistol end. I couldn't get over the amount of people just... I'm looking to get a handgun, you know, yeah. and uh, and they go, well, you know, do you have your permit? Oh, I need that. Yeah. And and I turn to the guy, I go, is this for real? And he goes, dude, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Ever since this crap started, this is in New York. Yeah. And I hate to say it. These are the people that think you can walk into, into a gun a shop and, buy and a just gun. buy a pistol. Yeah. And it's it and doesn't work that no. way. Here in New York, if you want a pistol... You got to go and get your safety course done. Yes. Which before two years ago was one safety course. Yep. That was it. It was an afternoon and you paid a certain amount of money for it. Yep. And that was it. Now it's a three, like a three day, you can do it all in one day, but it's a huge day. It's like right. early it's in the morning day. to yeah. the evening, but it's three separate courses that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you have to get four references. Yeah, you that have can an application on your behalf, you have to fill out. And they can't be family nope. and they can't be relatives. Yep. So they can't even be in-laws. Like yeah. I can't use your uncle, mm-hmm. you know. So just to explain how hard it is to move into a new area. Yeah. If you move into a new county and you know nobody, you're going to have to get references. They can't have criminal backgrounds. They can't have any of this stuff. They have to speak on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that, in the process of that, you get your fingerprint done. Yep. And once you get your fingerprint done, you get a voucher. Yep. And you have to go and buy a gun yep. that you've never fired before. Yep. Put that on your voucher. And put that on your voucher, show it. Yep. And then you get either the permit passed to you or not. And on that permit, you get the registration number 
of the, the pistol you purchased. Yep. yep. So this is the current law. Yep. And I'm just tired. I really am. I'm so tired of hearing everybody, oh, you can just go and get a gun anywhere. It's like, no, you can't. If yeah. you can get a gun anywhere, it's on the street. Yes. It's a it's a ghost gun or it's a gun that's been stolen mm-hmm. and stolen on the black market. All these people that are doing crimes with guns, they got it illegally. Yeah. And you can get all these laws and you can make someone like me look like a criminal. Yeah. Because that's how I feel like I'm treated sometimes. Yeah. And here's the thing. I've got I've got rifles that I've never even shot a round out of. Right. I just have them. If I go hunting for like moose and bear, mm-hmm. I've got a rifle for that. Mm-hmm. If I go hunting for deer, I got a rifle for that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, are you freaking kidding me? And now for semi-automatic rifles, if I want to go and buy a semi-automatic rifle, even if that's just a little twenty-two rifle that has, you know, New York, it's got to be 10 rounds or less. Yep. You know, you can't have more than 10 rounds. And and now you got to have a semi-automatic permit yeah. for that. And, you know, and I know the gun people are like, good, you should. It's like... I'm not your problem. Right. That's the problem. To the anti-gun people, the yeah. legal gun owners are not your problem. They're not your problem. And and now, like, here in New York, you got to get a background check for ammo. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get it. I know what they're doing. They're making the process the punishment. Yes. That the way you process just is the punishment. You're like, so you're just like, it's not worth it. It's not freaking worth it, and I'm not going to get one. Yeah. But the problem is, is now you're going to have criminals that have guns, and you don't have people... You don't have an armed society. Well, you just don't have people that can protect themselves. Yeah. And I'm sorry when someone comes banging through my door. Yeah. And wants to rob us Mm -hmm. or just inflict harm on us. Mm -hmm. I should have the right to protect myself. Yeah. Because I'm sorry. I can't call the cops. They'll be here. You know, they used to be here quick. But now that everybody hates cops and the cops have to reduce their workforce, you know, now you've got less cops. So it's going to take 30 minutes for a cop to get to you. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Just beg. Oh, please don't. Yeah. Let's talk. Maybe I can de-escalate this mm-hmm. down somewhere. No, screw that. I want to protect myself. Yeah. And that's the whole Second Amendment. Thing I should is, be able to protect even, myself. You can't even, even if you didn't have a firearm, even if you're like, all right, well, we're going to fight this out. Yeah. There's more, the the criminals have more rights now than oh, yeah. the victims. No, and that's the crazy part is like, even if a criminal were to come in here yeah. and I were to shoot him dead. You know, yeah. him or her dead in, yep. in my living room yep. with a door busted open yeah. and all that. I'm going to get thrown in jail yep. because I murdered somebody, Yep. you know, because some, you know, jury that was specifically picked. So I'm not going to, you know, like yeah. I said, New York, it's crazy. New York has lost their mind they across are. the yeah. board, period. But it just um, so, yeah, they they wouldn't have found the gun. Like if this guy was going around today doing all this. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have been able to trace it with the gun. No. You know, and I just wish people would get that through their thick skulls. I know they won't no. because it's all about the feelies. Yes. And, you know, and everybody just is the next. Can't change their believies. Oh, no, they're just the next endorser of another slogan that gets shoved in their mm-hmm. face with it. But it, it just drives me nuts because we can't even have a healthy debate about it. Right. You know, but yeah. So they had 136 laid off police officers yeah. solely looking for this guy. And it ended up being a parking ticket. So what happened was, is that day where they caught him, they had the warrant. Yep. And they actually knocked at their door. They couldn't find him because he was off, like, doing fucking something. And and when they were checking the car, they noticed the car, the paper bag in there yeah. with the weapon. 
And so then they watched him. And then that's when he either took the weapon out of the car or he was carrying something else out of the apartment. I can't remember the exact steps with it. And then that's how they got him. I mean, it's crazy yeah. off a freaking parking ticket. So on top of the gr- graffiti on his walls, they found diaries detailing his alleged 1,400 arsons in New York and the surrounding areas. When Berkowitz was taken in for questioning, he quickly confessed to the shootings and stated that he would plead guilty. When police asked what his motivation for the killing spree was, he said his former neighbor, Sam Carr, had a dog that was possessed by a demon which told Berkowitz to kill. Sam Carr is the same Sam that inspired his nickname, Son of Sam. yeah. Berkowitz was sentenced to 25 years in prison for each murder served in New York's Supermax prison, Attica Correctional Facility. Actually, he's at Shawagunk now. I know. I got, I got okay. that. In February 1979, Berkowitz held a press conference and stated that his claims about demonic possession were a hoax. Uh, Berkowitz stated to a court appointed, appointed psychiatrist that he was lashing out in anger against a world that he felt had rejected him. And he felt that he had been particularly rejected by women, which could be one of the reasons that he specifically targeted attractive young women. And in 1990, Berkowitz was moved to Sullivan Correctional Facility, where he remains today. So my oxygen source is from the Netflix docuseries. Yeah. The Sons of Sam. So so this gets into, like, that's the official that's version. That's the official story. Of Son of Sam with David Berkowitz. Now, I know there's probably people chomping at the bits, like, now we're getting into the tasty stuff, and we're going to do a whole nother dive into that shortly. It's going to be after next month, because next month we're doing the holy stuff. But there's this whole thing with, is he the only person? Because there's this talk that there's more people. Uh, Netflix does have this documentary called The Sons of Sam. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. I recommend watching it. Yeah. But also what you have to understand is the guy, Maury Terry, that they do this story about, this right. news reporter. Uh, what they don't really discl- they don't disclaim in the documentary is that the guy who did the documentary was friendly and knew Maury Terry. And the way he presented it in the documentary is that they didn't really reveal that. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like it's very separate. Like somebody's just doing all this stuff. They had this information and all that. Right. And 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 yeah, it's it's a really cool glance at how it looks because there is compelling evidence. I'm not gonna say slam dunk. No. But compelling evidence that there were multiple shooters. Right. I mean, there are And they knew each other as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the implication. Yeah. Could it be? Maybe. I firmly believe, just based on evidence, that while the satanic panic was huge everywhere, there was actually very little satanic activity actually happening. And I know you came across it in your area, but like the uh, preschool in Canada where Mm -hmm. everyone who had been an administrator or teacher in that school had been accused of molesting children because they had had regression sessions with psychiatrists. And all of a sudden these people were in a satanic cabal 
and they were just well, having and, sex with all of these no, kids. No, but I'm sorry. And it like, turns out they weren't. Yeah, because, well, and you lost me at regression testing. Like, that's, you know, exactly. like, I'm paying attention until I hear that. Of, <laughs> but in the 80s, they did use regression therapy, and they oh, yeah. they used that as evidence against people when... But not everybody, you know, and that's the thing that every... Was there a satanic panic? Yes, there was. We did an episode on it. We did. You know, and I think we went pretty deep into that. Mm -hmm. And I think I think we did pretty good with it. Um, but I also, just as much as I've changed since I've done that topic. So what's the barometric uh, reading to know if Satan's involved in something? You know, you don't have to have an altar. You don't have to have all this other stuff. Was Berkowitz possessed? He could have been. He could have been. I can't say he wasn't. Yeah. You know, especially if he claimed he, he him, was. He himself claimed. Yeah. Well, he at least claimed the you dog know. was now, possessed. Now he said that he was getting into these scenes. I'll call them. You know, where there was a level of Satanism going on. Yeah. Now whether it was for you know, and this is where you see the defendants of Satanic religions and mm -hmm. and the you know the people who uh, endorse it, so to speak. You know, whatever. But but the fact is, is, you know, they start splitting hairs on it. You know, oh, it wasn't this. It wasn't that. That's not what the satanic cult is. And, you know, we've talked about that stuff, the satanic yes. churches and what we they did. really yes. believe. And, yes. you know, I'm not going to regurgitate all that up. But there is compelling evidence that there was other people involved. Mm -hmm. The problem with Maury Terry was he went too far with his emotions on it. He let yeah. the emotions drive everything and it killed him. It eventually killed yeah. him. That's a spoiler alert of the documentary. Yeah. But you can read about it anywhere. And the fact is, is his his conclusion of the whole thing is that they ended up getting involved in a satanic cult. Yes. And they would be who's known as the Carr brothers. Right. Who were nearby. Yep. You know, and they. John and Michael. Carr. And they did know each other. Yep. Um, there was a dog. Yes. The dog was named Sam. You know, I mean. No, Sam was the. The owner, the dog. Yeah, actually... Sam, that's what I mean. Sam was the owner and there was the dog and it matched the the description, basically, that Berkowitz was using. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to sit there and say Maury Terry was a slam dunk on all this stuff, but there is some stuff there that you yeah. really got to look with a clear head and a clear mind, which I know a lot of people have a hard time with now. Um, you You got to look at it clear and just say, yeah, there's some of these things here that you can't maneuver around like they're just yeah. right there and um he was too desperate to get the story out and that's what ended up being the problem with maury uh he would go on these uh these shows that were you know basically just rag rag shows you know like yeah. maury povich and you know all that stuff you know back in the day you that was just entertainment those shows you know yeah. but he was trying to get the message out. And there's a lot of, you know, there's some stories where basically people are saying that the police just wanted this shut, like yeah. after, you yeah. know, and Maury's digging and digging and the police is like, dude, listen, yeah, we went closed. through enough yeah. here, you know, stop digging this up and stop riling people up and getting, yeah. getting people crazy. And, uh, and so I can understand that from a police perspective, but also if you do have something compelling, mm -hmm. You know, it might need to to look into it, but that would have forced them to admit that they made mistakes in the investigation. But I mean, and here's 
they will say that they've got the guy and they've got the right guy because as soon as he was arrested, the killing stopped. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's your number one thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's very strong. Yeah. You know, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate on the whole thing. Right. You know, yeah. I think ultimately from what I've been reading, because I always kind of keep tabs on like where he's at and like the prison system and right yeah like where he's going and apparently he's had a very big uh just um uh conversion to christianity mm-hmm. and even the um uh i don't know if it's the deacon involved in the hospital or mm-hmm. whoever's involved with the chapel over there they were even saying they're like look the guy's like i've been doing this for decades mm-hmm. He's like, and this, he goes, I could confidently say is the real deal as far as a conversion. Like right. he's helping out people in the prison system. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, helping out people there. Even on his pro- parole hearings, he's, yeah. you know, going up to him and he's saying, look, I don't deserve to get out of here. Right. You know, and he's basically said, like, my mission isn't here right. to help people here. Now, whether, again be devil's advocate with it all. Is it an act? Maybe he's just satisfied with the life he has in prison. Maybe, you know, it could be, you know, I, I don't know these things and no one's going to know, but I think what you will know, especially if he's truly had a conversion. Right. And I, I speak this with all, all truth. Now, this is something Mm -hmm. I stand behind a hundred percent. If he really did have a conversion, then he will say something before he dies. Yeah. If he's truly had a conversion, then that means he, you know, he's going through the process of repenting and right. and trying to gain forgiveness. And, and you know, he might say something or he might be just squared up with God and saying, I'm good. Yeah. You know, I've done everything I can with God. I know I'm going to never please anybody. You mm-hmm. know, I personally, if you were to hold a gun to my head and say, you know, if you give me no answer at all, I'm pulling the trigger. I just need an answer on what your thoughts are about this. I think he did the shooting, but I don't think he did it alone. Or, but I just, I don't think he was alone in the whole thing. Just by the way the drawings were, mm-hmm. or the sketches, yeah, different kind of communications with things, yep. it just seemed too different. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, like, the Maury Terry files, like, come into play. Right. And you start getting a little deeper into that, that you're going to get from the police records. But even the police records, you just have to go as far as that. And you hear the descriptions of things and it's like, okay, this, this one, these don't really sound like the same person. Yeah. You know, maybe I think they were, again, friendly. Yeah. I think they might've got involved into something that they didn't want to, you know, or, or they might've paid for. Yeah. Spiritually. Um, you know. This is where I think the whole satanic panic thing, it's a really wide stick that mm-hmm. everybody hits with. Was he possessed? Who knows? It shows all the signs of it. Yeah. You know, and he goes back and forth by saying, no, it was an act. But then he says, no, it really was. I, you know, yeah, I had what would be called a, a possession of something, mm-hmm. you know, so then you've got to go down the rabbit hole. It's like, OK, if they were because, you know, the thing is on the the documentary, they were showing these spots where these guys hung out. Yeah. You know, and they did have these altars or whatever you would call them and and things like that. And again, you don't know if it's just people being bored and doing dumb shit because that, you know, people do that. You know, I'm not going to be ignorant of that. But again, the slippery slope of what we talk about all the time, the invitation, 
bringing some, you know, that invitation in and it festers in. And then you also just look at the timeline of it. You know, let's just say it's him and say he's possessed. Let's go down the road with that. You know, he stabs this girl to death. Yep. You know, so that's his first time. Mm -hmm. Two of them. You know. They identified one. Yeah. They didn't identify no, the other. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, stabs, yep. stabs, does a stabbing of two people, and and that's his first time. And, you know, now he can't turn off. He's mm -hmm. opened the gate. He's yep. let it in. Yep. And so now this is dictating everything. And so, you know, he does it again. Mm-hmm. And then four months, yeah, tries to fight it off, can't. Does it again? Does it again? Couple months later. Two months later. Does it again? Does it again? And then the other one was weeks. Yeah. You know, and it just was the quicker, quicker deal. You know, and then the communication with the press, and yep. you know, just even like I agree. Like there's some like in the book here, it was a really good example of the letters that he had. Right. And you look at this one letter and it's not from a smart person. Right. There's spelling incorrections. The phrasing's just wonky. Rudimentary. Yeah. No, it's just rudimentary phrasing. They were saying that there was a, and, a, a difference between yeah. the letters. You know. And that they appeared to be some appeared to have been written by someone else. Yeah. And then and then there's these other writings where it's very complete sentences. Yep. Um, you know, and they're from somebody that you would think would be a little educated, mm -hmm. you know, which they said he was. Yeah. But again, you know, I'll play the devil's advocate on this whole thing. If he was possessed, maybe this converted yeah. him over to a different thing. I you know. know. Um, and so the car's dog was a black lab named Harvey. Harvey, that's right. Who was said to have embodied the spirit of a being thousands of years old. Yeah. And that's the story that Berkowitz said he made up. He yeah. also did shoot Harvey. I don't yeah. know if he killed him, but he did shoot the the black lab. Oh, uh, definitely. And and this is where like this is where I could see where Maury Terry would go crazy because <laughs> that's Harvey. You know, but I could see where he'd go crazy on this yeah. because if you do dive deep into this and honestly this is why we didn't do it for a long time. Yeah. This episode because the problem is is you can go deep into this and you'll end up right back where you started. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened, yeah. you know? And then the problem is you just more, you know, more stuff mm -hmm. that connects to other things, you know, but, um, Terry, Maury Terry went to the grave, never believing that Berkowitz acted alone. Right. Um, Berkowitz didn't resemble the police sketches that were based on eyewitness accounts. You know, we were talking earlier yep. and Terry started digging and he found evidence tying Berkowitz to a satanic cult that was called the children. Yes. You know, so if you're not going to watch this documentary, I'll give you a little brief overview of it. And and he soon became convinced that this cult, which has uh, believed to have had ties with Mer Charles Manson. Mm -hmm. So he was going back and forth. He was flying back and forth in the country to find out yep. that there actually was a connection here. Yeah. And again, this is like people can dismiss this stuff. It's It exists. It's real. So he soon became convinced that this cult... Um, was responsible for the Son of Sam murders. And that's the tough thing to tie together. Mm -hmm. um, he thought Berkowitz was taking the fall for the cult, yep. um, which also included this Mike and Joe Carr. And they were the sons of Berkowitz's neighbor, Sam, Sam. Carr. Yep. And this was the owner of the dog that claimed to drive him to kill. But he would later say that that was a lie. Right. You know, um, and he ended up writing this book, 1988. Uh, it's called The Ultimate Evil. And this is where he claimed he revealed the truth behind the Son of Sam murders. And uh, many of his friends and colleagues who appear in 
the Sons of Sam documentary, admit that the evidence Terry gathered should have been enough to reopen the case. And I agree. See, this is the part that I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. It's like you had this one guy who got all this stuff. Yep. And and he found things. Mm-hmm. And it should have been enough to reopen the case. But again, the police were like, no, dude, we're not doing it. Right. And also it's it's twofold. The one fold is they don't want to get everybody all riled up again. Right. But also they would have to admit with maybe some of this stuff that the investigation wasn't done right. And police departments don't like doing that. Right. But they got to move on because there's other cases. Exactly. To do, their bigger know. issue is once Berkowitz was behind bars, even if someone else was involved. It stopped. It stopped. Yeah. So they did them, their job. <laughs> for them. Exactly. For all intents and purposes, they did what they were supposed to do. Correct. They stopped the killings. Yeah. And and but they also admit that Terry was possessed by his own theory. The same people right, that yes. said you know, yeah. so that's the thing is he just got too deep into this. Right. He got way deep in it. Yeah. And like I said, it ultimately killed him. Yeah. You know, but I definitely recommend I, I wouldn't read the book because I've read the book and the book is it's a lot to swallow. And in and this and this stuff you're trying to choke down, you're gonna spit out the stuff that actually has substance to it. And you right. could get lost in it. You know, even his questionings, like and that's where the son of Sam's really gets into play like the questionings with Berkowitz and stuff. He had a lot of leading questions. Yeah. You know, he didn't do it right. You know, right. but yeah. he was a reporter. Yeah. You know, he He's didn't not know. An investigator. Yeah. He didn't know. And especially now, I mean, so much has changed in the last 40 years on techniques yeah. of how you properly interview a witness or, you know, right. um, a suspect or something, you know, to that nature. But, uh, you know, basically like the film maker of all this believed that the Carr brothers were involved. You know, and again, this is post the mm-hmm. thing because you didn't realize that Josh Z- Zeman or Zeman that made it um, basically, you know, you didn't know they had this relationship mm-hmm. together. Right. And uh, and he said, yeah, there was a bunch of crazy kids who people used the devil as a brilliant in- excuse to engage in bad behavior. Yeah. And this is where I get into the whole satanic panic thing. It's like, OK, they weren't part of an organized religion. You know, like to the standards that people Mm -hmm. want to defend Satanism for. Right. You know, and it's like, no, but it's kind of like a Ouija board. Once you pull it out, can you really let it back in? Right. You know, and I think, you know, you're messing with forces that you don't really understand. And I see it now. There's a, I hate to say it, but Satanism's making a comeback, you know, and and clothing wear and, you know, the way celebrities are doing themes and concerts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know what you're letting in and what you're doing, you right. know? And, you know, I'm, I just, uh, yeah, I'm one of those people that just, you know, even on the show, there's zones that I just don't want to go into. Right. Cause I just don't want to let it in. Like I said, after doing the demons and demonology yeah. episodes, we say it a lot, but yeah. for new people that are coming on the show, Fucking crazy shit went down in this house. It did. Everything was fine until, until we did those yeah. episodes. Yep. And then we had crap going on here Yeah, for like four weeks. Yeah. You know, and we're religious. Yeah. Very religious. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so if you're not religious and you don't buy into any of this shit, quote unquote. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. You, there's something you got to have a respect for. And, um, yeah, we had weird things happen. You were seeing shadow people. I was. I was seeing you them know, everywhere. I had handprints on my body that couldn't be, yeah. 
like connected to my hands. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were huge. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden in like 10 minutes to an hour, they're gone. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember I went to go to the bathroom. I saw it and I was freaking out, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm trying to see like maybe I I laid weird and I'm just trying to make it match and there's no way it could match. It was a freaking hand. Yep. And I mean, it was like, it was, it was massive. Like the palm of it was probably, I'd say, you know, and I know they don't see this, but like I'm showing a circle to you that's probably about six inches Mm -hmm. to almost 10 inches wide. Yeah. And then these long, thick fingers that were like three inches Mm -hmm. and it was a handprint. It was four fingers and a thumb over my whole chest. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I remember going to bed and being just like, what the hell is happening to me? And then I'd want to see it again. And Mm -hmm. I go back, you know, into the bathroom and it's gone. It's not there. And it's just, it's stuff I can't explain. Right. And I remember saying all the time in our first episodes, well, none of this crap happens to me. Yeah. And you know, all the ghost stuff and all that. And you know, I invite the challenge. I'd love to. And I asked for it, Yeah. you know, and then lo and behold, you know, I mean, demonology was, I mean, it wasn't it was that, in our first season. It was in our first season. It was like season. episode six or seven. Yeah. Or yeah. six and seven. No, exactly. And, you know, I I asked and it came. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that's not the only time it happened. You know, no. there was another time that happened that was actually a lot more of a blessed experience. Seven and eight. Yeah. Were, uh, it was seven and eight. Ghost was season one. Ghost was episode two. two. Yep. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I, I really get bent when people sit there and go, oh, this is satanic panic and everybody's freaking out about satanic stuff. And it's like, look, it was there to the extent of what people were saying. No, I, I agree. I think it was a money making thing. And I think the news took advantage of it to get ratings. And oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll support that narrative every day of the week. But like I said, you know, you don't have to go and do the whole process to have it affect your life. Right. You know, I think you just got to crack the door open a little bit, like we mentioned with Ouija boards or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And and just, you know, even having the bad intentions and being unable to res- resist certain temptations. I think it opens up to you. You know, there's a lot of people around here where they're like, oh, you got a podcast? You know, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, oh, what do you do? Oh, we do horror theme stuff. And they're like, nope, I'm not going to listen yep. to you. Yeah. Nothing against you. Right. And I'm just like, well, you know, That's I'm like, fine. we're not, I, for, we're not for everybody. Nope. And there's people that are just like, I'm never going to let that stuff in. Right. I don't even want to hear it talked about it. And you know what? After demonology and demons, I get I, it. I agree. I, I get totally it. Yep. get it. And that's why, you know, people are like, oh, I listen to your podcast. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Right. That's yes. you. You hear it from me all the yep. time. That's, you know, and that's what makes this podcast genre really, really tough. It is. It's you know, hard. It's a niche it, deal. And we don't do scary movies. We do scary stuff sometimes. It's yeah. deep. It's real. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, it, 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 it <laughs> does get hard. It gets very difficult because we do just through the act of the research, we open ourselves up yeah. to things that. We shouldn't. But by the same token, I take our episodes as cautionary tales. Well, that's what I try to do. Yeah. You know, and especially becoming more yeah. of a follower of Christ and the more The further of, we get into the faith. Know, and I try not to get too preachy about it. And I'm sorry if I do, but I really, it comes from the heart. It's like, yeah, yeah. I want some of these things Had that we, we do. Had we not 
have had the experiences that we had. Yeah. Like. I wouldn't be going to mass every day. My my <laughs> family especially said, knowing both of us. Yeah. They go, we we can tell that demons and demonology was hard. And by the same token, just hearing us talk about it, there are members of, I have a sister who she won't even listen to those episodes. Oh, yeah. No, like I said, and I, I get it. I, got, I do. I got I was people like, that just they they're like I can't I can't do it and not, mm-hmm. and I'm like and I get that's it. fine I understand I it. I understand I really do and and for those of you that listen I you know we that's why we say we always appreciate it because we know sometimes it's not easy but like even you know what you guys don't understand with demons and demonology you might listen to the episode and go well it wasn't that bad it's like no the research that went into that yeah. like I read the Necromonicon and like yeah. that. I remember reading it and looking and I'm like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. Like this is, this is not right. Yeah. You know? And then, but and the problem supposed is, it's to be a work of fiction. And the problem is, is I read that and it started. And honestly, it happened when I started reading that. Yeah. Like once I read that, I really think the invitation, like the door was open and yep. I let something yeah. near me that near us. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, I, I you know, I, I can never be a hundred percent convinced. It's not, scientific or anything but but between that and the stories and the just everything and there were stories that we left out that just uh were too too much too much you know and and you know that's where i often wonder you know like i told you with earlier today Mm -hmm. with this podcast it's like you know sometimes i get up and i i don't know how many of these i got left in me you know especially as like as close to crisis i'm getting and you know the more i'm getting involved with that journey, mm-hmm. it's hard, you know, it it's, it's really hard for me to look at certain things. And I say, boy, you know, I'm spending an hour on a podcast and I'm talking about this stuff when I could be talking about this other stuff that is more nurturing, mm-hmm. more, um, yeah. embracing and, and more beneficial and may even save somebody. Mm-hmm. But that's what I like, like the cults. I like the cults. Cause like I, there's a part of me that hopes that like, there's someone listening to that, that has a friend. Right. And they might be like, hey, just listen to this, mm-hmm. you know, and it might help somebody out. And that's kind of these, like you mentioned, these are cautionary tales. Yes. You know. Since we started doing the cults, I I have a special prayer Yeah. that I say Me too. every day for those that are caught up in the throes of a cult, oh, yeah. that they can have their eyes and ears opened and they can see it for what it is. And the thing is, is like, I always tell people that are curious about the podcast and, you know, and and some that may have listened to it and, you know, they'll ask like, what's your favorite episode or what was Mm -hmm. the research that you really got into? There's two specific fronts that I really focus around. The demonology stuff, definitely, because it woke me up to there is evil. Yes. So then the thing you've got to go now, if you reverse engineer this is, okay, if you can admit there's evil, then there has to there be has good. There has to be good. Yes. There has to be. Yes. It's, You'd ha- it's you, the yin and the yang. You are very irresponsible as an adult if yes. you don't think that. Yes. If you believe in evil, then yes. there has to be good. Yes. And so if you walk- And if you believe that there is just good, congratulations. Yeah. I'm glad you've not experienced oh, yeah, true yeah. evil. Yeah. But just know, just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean it's yeah, not but there. You, but that's what gets me. And this is what I laugh about. You might- you encounter so many people that are just, oh, yeah, I believe in evil. But, yeah, the whole good thing I have a hard time with. And they got the classic excuses like, why do children get murdered? Why do yeah. they die young? Yeah. And all that other mm-hmm. stuff. And there's answers for all that stuff. Right. But but 
you never find somebody that's just like, oh yeah, that's all I see is the good in life. You know, because mm-hmm. we're broken as people. We're mm-hmm. spiritually broken. We're tempted with temptation all the time. We sin all the time. We do. You know, and and this is where I think definitely me as an former atheist, mm-hmm. agnostic person, yes. was the conception of religion thinking that you could achieve this p- period of enlightenment where you can't do bad. Mm-hmm. And that's being religious and Christian. It's like, no, it's not anything like that. A Christian knows they sin every single day and they hate themselves yes. for it. And they, yeah, they literally hate themselves for mm-hmm. it. They hate that they have temptation. They hate that they hop on and their that phone they give in to temptation. and want to turn yeah. into porn. And, you know, and, and a day of success is maybe not going to porn, right. you know, but the day of hell is going to it and knowing like, I, God, I'm so weak, you know, and it could be porn. It could be booze. It could be weed. It could yeah. be Coke. It Insert could be whatever. It could be chasing women. It could be mm-hmm. cutting yourself. It could be, you know, all these things there, you know, the wrath, the sloth, the, you know, all that stuff, the lust. And, and that's, that's the fight, you know, is knowing that you struggle, but yet in the midst of all that struggle, you're trying your hardest to be good. Yeah. And that's the faith. Yeah. That really is the faith. It's that simple. And it's just so sad that people can't see that because they've had some other line of BS thrown in their head. Yeah. You know, and it just, um, yeah, I really, I really feel like I've wasted a lot of my life, but I, but I know I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like I have the, I have the internal workings now to talk to someone who's struggling like that. And I personally think that's what, my responsibility is at this at this time. Like Berkowitz, for example, with this whole thing, yeah, broken person. Right. At the end of the day, broken. Mm-hmm. What broke him? Who know? You know, who knows? You know, obviously a bad upbringing, put some chips on his shoulders. And I, you know, my hypothesis with this is he got caught up with some people and I think he let something in that he couldn't shake. Mm-hmm. Until, until possibly when he got into prison and started focusing on himself. You know, the Cliff Notes version of David Berkowitz, that's what it is for me, you know. But everybody's got their own version, mm-hmm. you know. It's uh, it's a pretty crazy story. But yeah, The Sons of Sam, it's called on uh, Netflix. Yep. And it's definitely worth a watch. But yeah, yeah you got to be very um, objective about it mm-hmm. because it's, um, you know, it's through the lens of one person. But, but there is evidence that you look there and you're like, eh. Mm-hmm. It's comp- I don't know. It doesn't add up. So, yeah, that's Sons of Sam. Yep. Or David Son Berkowitz. Of Sam. Son of yeah. Sam. We might do the Sons of Sam bit, the Maury Terry and Carr. Yeah, we'll see. But, you know, also, it's something that's just been beat into the ground, and we like to do the different stuff, or try to. So, next Speaking w- of different stuff. Speaking of different stuff, next week. I'm pretty jazzed about it. Yeah. Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah. And you're like, what is a Bridgewater Triangle? Well, you'll tune find in out, next week. You'll find out next you'll week. You'll learn all, learn all about it. Yeah. No, I started doing a little digging earlier because I didn't know much about it. I yeah. knew it exists, but yeah, it's pretty messed up. Isn't it? So, yeah. And then um, that'll be the it for the kind of quote unquote horror stuff. Right. Uh, as, you know, those of you that have stayed with us since the beginning, uh, we do our April Holy Month uh, well, stuff. Well, we do it around... Easter and this yeah. month 
and this year Easter is in March, so March will be our holy month. March will be as opposed or, yeah, to yeah, I'm April. sorry, March. I I've got so many things going on. I know. Across. I know. It's so fine. yeah, March is March is holy month, and yep. yeah, that's what we do. You know, if you're new, yeah, that's what we do. So we we do four uh, holy stories or holy events well, of, we, of some yeah. kind. We gear it and, less uh, toward horror, more toward yeah. the uh, yeah. No. It keeps uh keeps us square. It does. So rule number one. No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Yeah, you try to stay away from that stuff. Yeah, don't do it as bad. Don't let it in. Nope. Number five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Yeah, yep. She's still here. Yeah. Yeah. Next rule. Uh, no apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Yeah, he did wake little... himself with a with, with his, a fart, with and then gas. he was looking at his butt like, <sighs> what happened? Wow. What was that? That was good. I'm proud of that. Uh, yeah. Four paws. Yep. Not with the apathy rule. Definitely uh, try to just do something. Be nice. Well, yeah, just be nice, but also try to do something and and not get credit for it. Right. Be just, sneaky just about it. Be nice to be nice or give just to yeah. give. Yeah. And try to get no credit. Yeah. You know, don't don't tell anybody. My don't tell a soul. My favorite is when we donate stuff to the Humane Society and nobody's around. And no one's there. I love being the ninja donator. I love that. It's the most like. I mean, I. I'm glad they see it and they're thankful. Yeah. You know, but, but I, I much prefer yeah. just dropping dropping it off oh yeah because they'll walk off and be like yeah bleach you know yeah, yep. <laughs> so uh next rule don't engage with the black identities no 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 we've gone through that ad nauseum we have yeah and last but not least yeah. just listen no definitely and everybody listens here they listen to us and babble and they do and they do all that all that nonsense so yes. uh yeah we thank you very much as always and um we're trying to get back uh, from our time off. Yeah, trying to that get back into the... Uh, planned and unplanned, and we're getting into the, the routine, routine a little more and more, so it's all starting to feel a lot more comfortable. Uh, if you could, uh, recommend us to someone you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't called that action in a while. Um, you know, we know the folks that have been listening to us to a long time. I know you've, uh, you've told everybody, and right. we thank you so much, but... For the new ones, uh, yeah, we're a very organic uh, podcast. Yep. We are not famous. We, we are, are not, not celebrities. We're nope. just two goons from central New York. We're just schmoes. Yep. And we just do this because it's fun. Yeah. And um, with that being said, have an amazing day, a lovely week. And make good choices. Take care. <laughs>